Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. And welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Sagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. as usual. Uh, thanks to Caleb for, for filling in last week for me while I did some some real world stuff. Uh, we are uh, back on another victory Monday, Tuesday, early week victory day uh, for the Chiefs here. But it doesn't feel quite like a victory to me, Ron. It was a, it was an interesting week for the Chiefs. Yeah, beating the Jets only 23-20 was definitely not something anyone expected. I predicted 31-10, you know, the week after I predicted the Bears making it a little closer than they made it. You know, this Chiefs team, man, it's it's they're hard to tail the, you know, pin down, man. You know, I I swear they and we'll get some questions about that, you know, you guys asked some good questions about it, but you know, they had the 17 nothing lead stags, 3 minutes left in the first quarter looked like the route was on, ended up being a close game, but they did get to 3 and 1. They are they are back, you know, three games in a row, three wins in a row. Good to see that. But but yeah, it was definitely an interesting game, Stags. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson having his best game of his career against the Chiefs was not something I, I expected, Stags. How'd you how'd you take Zach Wilson kind of coming alive against the, this Chiefs defense that we thought was all of a sudden like the best in the Spags era, which it still could be, right? Obviously. And, yeah, and we're, I mean, we're we're having some fun right now. But they look pretty stifling in that first quarter. I mean, there was no Zach Wilson couldn't get anything going. There was there was pass rush. There was good coverage. It was it was a very clean, uh, you know, really really solid tackling first quarter. And then yeah, there was that sequence there where everything just changed and the, the whole tone of this game. And, and did it start with the safety? Was that the turning point of the whole the whole game? Uh, and uh, you know, a safety on another penalty on Chiefs offensive tackle Juwan Taylor really. Turn the tide of this game. Safeties are always a momentum changer, just because you you get points and the ball. That's obviously a, a big deal, but something changed right then and there. And and from there forward, Zach Wilson found some confidence, um, and it was a it was a ball game. Yeah, Jawan Taylor now leads the NFL with all offensive line with ten penalties this year, according to PFF. Uh, the second one. most. The second most is seven penalties. Um, by a second-year player, you know, kind of uh, in Ekemakawanwu in Carolina. You know, Juwan Taylor vet, you know, it's kind of – it is pretty ridiculous at this point how many penalties he's getting. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's doing great in pass protection. Eight pressures is, is a very low total um, for, for an offensive tackle in the NFL um, comparatively. But, yeah, you know, that was a turning point. And, and I will say the refs kind of missed it, right? They, the broadcast did a good job pointing it out that 
you know, the face mask did start outside of the end zone, so it shouldn't have necessarily been a safety, but still not something you want to see happen. Um, and, and then obviously that kind of somehow got the Jets offense going because they kicked the field goal on the next drive. And they really mm-hmm. started getting the play action game going. And like, and it was a good, it was a good scheme, uh, schemed up game from the Jets offense all of a sudden. I, I've been, I've only watched the first half of, of the defense film wise this morning. Um, but, you know, after, like you said, a stifling first little, uh, first portion of the game, Zach Wilson got in a rhythm because the Jets kept going play action. They kept going heavy protection, you know, not letting the pass rush get there. And Garrett Wilson did, you know, f- find space. You know, other receivers found space. Alan Lazard made that big play over mm-hmm. Trent McDuffie down the field. Um, you know, that it, it was kind of a, an interesting game, a, a good test for the Chiefs defense and, and maybe a little wake up call that, you know, hey, you, you know, even if you're playing Zach Wilson, if you're not on your P's and Q's, uh, especially in the secondary, you can still make some big plays happen. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, but then Zach Wilson happened, right? Sags. Then, then he fumbles the snap and with seven minutes left, they didn't get the ball left back. And that was the coolest part to me. That, that was shades of the Super Bowl this last year. I, I had that kind of image in my head all the way down to the sliding down at the goal line, uh, to run the clock out. That was a, um, you know, it was a, to kill seven minutes is, is absurd especially for this Chiefs offense, which is not known for, for that necessarily. But you could tell that they knew situationally what they were going to do there. And and it, it a lot of it came down to running Patrick Mahomes. I wrote the winners and losers column this week as usual. And very unusually, I put Patrick Mahomes in both columns. Patrick Mahomes running the ball was a winner, and Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball uh, was – was not uh the, this week yeah no i know i thought that, that was funny I, I i gave it i got a good chuckle out of that because <laughs> you're right like mahomes running the ball 51 yards he had i i highlighted it in an article actually should be out for the site by the time people are, are listening to this you know he had four impactful first downs on his legs actually one of them was the fumbled snap that we all of a sudden got a quarterback sneak out of uh mm. first quarterback sneak since <laughs> since the denver denver game that's, that's all it took but then he had the super bowl the shades of super bowl like you just mentioned that same the same drive that 25 yard scramble up the middle where mm-hmm. he finds space and takes advantage and gets a first down obviously there's a holding penalty on the defense on that play so it would have been a first down anyway um but and then he has the scramble to, to ice the game Chiefs betters at minus nine or nine and a half. You got to be, you got to be sick. I mean, yeah. I, I know I, I didn't bet him. I, my grandpa did. I shout out Don cop. Uh, he's, he's got to be sick. <laughs> he's, he's got to be sick. He was sick. I should say. Uh, but I will say, you know, it, I, I have this cool stat from, from the game. The chiefs had 12 first downs over their first nine possessions in the game. The last two drives of the game, they had 12 first downs itself. So they doubled their first down total for the game over the last two possessions because it wasn't just that drive. It was the second to last drive. I believe I have it here, 14 plays and ended in a field goal. So the last two drives for the Chiefs were 29 plays, about 14 and or almost 15 minutes of time of possession. Only three points out of those two possessions, but it ended the game. Obviously, they could have scored at the last. So. It, it, it was a game of the offense, the run, the running offense. We haven't even talked about like an Isaiah Pacheco yet, but the running offense picking up a, a pretty bad pass offense. But they, they got it done when they needed to in terms of controlling the ball and, and, and icing the game. Great point there. And we're, we've got lots of great questions from you all this week. Uh, just as a reminder, we answer your questions using the second half of the show. Uh, so stick with us for that. Uh, we're here every Tuesday with analysis of the previous game. We'll answer your questions. Just give us something fun to talk about. So make sure you submit those 
on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now and email those questions. Always Twitter. It's always Twitter. <laughs> and if you if you'd like, you can also email those to AP out of structure at gmail.com. And Ron will check that email inbox, I hope, and we will get some good questions out of it. Uh, so let's let's get down to the breakdown. What else? Uh, what else did you see from the game this week in your Insta breakdown? Yes, I do the Insta breakdown for the site. You mentioned your winners and losers, so we both have some post game responsibilities. And yeah, I liked your winners and losers mention about uh, Mahomes' run running attack. We just talked about that, but the real uh, theme of the game was Isaiah Pacheco. He was the offensive player of the game for me. He had a career game both in rushing yards and total yards. Because not only did he have 115 or 16 rushing yards uh, on the ground and had the 48-yard run to get the get the uh, scoring going, which was a great just – I love the call by Andy Reid. I'll break it down real quick. They got Donovan Smith as the left tackle, right? But they bring Jawan Taylor over from, from right tackle to kind of a tight end next to next to the left tackle. It's called an overload, overload formation. They're going to run power to that side, which means those guys are down blocking, collapsing the defensive line. Trey Smith's pulling into space. He's just going to latch on to the play side linebacker, which happened to be this poor, you know, safety. I think he was just coming down in the box and he didn't know it was coming, man. Pancake City all of a sudden and Pacheco was gone. I will say Donovan Smith, uh, shout out, you know, the veteran got away with a, a savvy little hold there, kind of holding on to an ankle of a defensive end, uh, you know, and Jermaine Johnson did shout it out on Twitter. You know, the Jets, the Jets defense is salty, Stags. We haven't talked about that yet, but Ahmad Gardner yeah. salty, Jermaine Johnson salty. <laughs> and I, you know, that play, there was good reason. I mean, he got held, he got like, Donovan Smith basically held onto his ankle for a, a solid second. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, hey, Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco has a huge game. And, uh, and I, I do want to shout out too though, his ability in the check down game. He had three catchers for like mm -hmm. 40 yards. He made the most of those plays when I feel like sometimes he doesn't. And so it was, a, it was just a good, really overall game from Pacheco. Yeah, he was huge. And he brings that energy, that fire that the team needs sometimes every single time against the Jets when the offense needed a spark, it was Pacheco. Like that was, that was really cool to see. He's always sort of been that guy, but they don't always give him that many opportunities. He had 20 carries in this game, plus the three targets turned into three catches, 23 touches for Pacheco. I think we've talked about this before. He's one of those guys that needs volume to get going. Uh, Clyde is the same way, frankly, and, and he did not have a solid of game. Uh, Clyde didn't. He just wasn't able to get going out of the blocks. But I think both of those guys need volume if you want to see any kind of production out of them. So you can't really judge a, a guy on on three or four touches. Get them 25 touches, you know, over 20 touches a game and, and see what they can do. Pacheco was was a monster all, the, all day long, consistently brought that energy. I love seeing the tweets about him running like he's angry at the ground. <laughs> you know, like this is a really uh, – uh, th this is just an impactful, you know, energy giver uh, for this offense and and they they really and i know we have a question about this but i'd love to see them stay balanced like this uh, going forward well and they really fed into that energy probably being in his back in his home state you know i i, I didn't think about it going into the game but they kind of kept mentioning it you know and and anyone who watched the, the latest episode of the franchise i will say another uh, another great episode uh production by the chiefs uh, you know, they highlighted Pacheco kind of, you know, high school, you know, his hometown in Jersey, kind of a small town, small school. And, uh, you know, that's he went back home Sunday night and had a great game. So shout out him. But, you know, on the flip side of the offense, you know, there was the passing game. Right. Not as as pretty. You know, we, we saw it early. We saw it. We saw Patrick Mahomes find Noah Gray down the field early for a huge touchdown. That was cool to see. 
Um, you know, we saw we saw some things, uh, you know, with with Kelsey. You know, Kelsey got open, but man, Mahomes just at at some points just forced the ball a couple times where you don't normally see him force that pass. I kind of mentioned it in my uh, AP premiere. Shout out the the newsletter that we send out from Arrowhead Pride. Make sure you subscribe if you're interested. I give kind of you know my a more opinionated uh, you know analysis of the game each each week and. Something I mentioned is just that, you know, these first few weeks, he wasn't testing those tight windows and he was holding on to it. And we were kind of complaining about like, OK, receivers aren't getting into these windows and, and finding them. And Mahomes just isn't triggering because of it. And he's and it's and that's why the pass offense is kind of slowing down. Well, this game, these couple of times, he just triggered into him kind of for no reason to me. Like both of them were not open, in my opinion. Um, he had to have the perfect pass to even get him there. But even if he got him there, he's his receiver is going to get crunched by two or three defenders because it's in between a really uh, tight window downfield. They were, they were interesting passes and interesting decisions to me. Both times he, he, he wasn't pressured. He was, you know, he was kind of in a clean pocket where he was kind of uh, navigating the pocket um, and kind of had time to, to make that decision. So, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it was one of those games where the Jets defense really made him uncomfortable. Um, we've seen this against guys, uh, defenses like Tennessee last year against Denver at times in the past where he does have those rough games, but Stags, what he always does in these games is use his legs. And it's funny, I, 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 I noted this in my article, eight of the nine times he's rushed for 50 yards in his career, he's had uh, less than a 90 passer rating. So he does it when he needs to. And this is a perfect example yeah. of that because the passing game, he was just not feeling himself and, the, and no one was getting open. I, I, I buried that point in that, no one was getting open, but this time it just seemed like he forced those those throws into tight windows instead of the three weeks prior. He kind of was being more casual or being more uh, conservative, I should say, and not testing the, the tight windows. For some reason on Sunday, he kind of forced his way into it a couple times. And it wasn't just that he was forcing him. He was forcing these touch passes in, in, yeah, in, exactly. a, yeah. in a way that's not really him. It's not like he's ripping it in there like he like he's able to. Uh those were spots where, yeah, you, you had to drop this rainbow in a bucket, and and uh, and it just, yeah, something was off about that. And I don't, like you said, maybe it was the defense, maybe it was people not getting open, but wasn't his day. Uh, at least three quarters of it wasn't his day. But yeah, he was brilliant on the ground, and and Pacheco was the man. Two hundred and four rushing yards for the team, five point eight yards per carry uh, on average, which also happens to be uh, Pacheco's average, five point eight. Uh, so you've got some some real success there on the ground. Uh, even Sky Moore getting a couple of a uh, couple of carries. Uh, he had two for 19 uh, with a so averaging almost 10 yards a carry for on his two carries. One was 11 yards. One was one was eight. So uh, you know there's not necessarily how you want to see Sky Moore used, and and not necessarily right. how you hope to see him. He didn't have a catch on two targets. Uh, in fact, I think at least one of those. I felt like he had a shot at it, or he at least um, you know could have been in position to make a play. Uh, he just doesn't seem to be, you know, getting any traction at this point as a as that go to receiver that we thought he would be. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, that first third down of the of the drive, I, I called it a three it out on Twitter. Just you know, late night brain. Uh, obviously, it was it was a it was a later in the drive. It could have extended a drive and maybe scored a touchdown, but. 
you know, sprint, right? This is a very, very fundamental play in the Chiefs offense. A lot of times on third and short, they love to do is Tyreek with with anybody with any sort of, you know, ability to create separation at the top of their route. Like Sky Moore should be able to with the 10 yard split with the things we've seen him do in his career. He did create, you know, separation to an extent, but he just doesn't explode out of his break there. He doesn't come back to the ball hard. And then that's why the ball is a little long and uh, low and outside to him. And like some people, you could see that and say, well, look, Mahomes threw it, you know, too low and outside. Like that's a bad throw on Mahomes. To me, it's if you watch Sky, he just is way too casual coming out of the break. He just kind of turns and waits for the ball to be on him. You got to drive off. You have he gets three yards past the line, the first down marker to to have all that space to drive hard and have and get away from the corner. Because if you're casual out of your break and the ball's, you know, ball is is inside at all and you don't drive hard like that corner is going to jump it and, and, yeah. and get a pick so right, yeah it's it to me that was on sky i highlighted that on twitter and those kind of things are just it's the stuff we kind of saw with mccall at times i hate to say it and you know the thing with sky is he doesn't have that that trait that mccall had to keep him in the rotation so if sky doesn't you know get this chemistry with mahomes together you know he's not gonna he's gonna get phased out for a guy like rasheed rice who Again, turned three catches into 32 yards, you know, had an 18-yard reception at one point. You know, he's going to continue to get snaps, and he's a slot receiver, and that's where Sky's been playing. So I, it, it's it's not trending in the right direction, I'd say, for the second-year wideout. I would agree there. One that I thought was interesting, and I'm curious to get your take on, is Kadarius Tony. He had two plays back-to-back that he made that were tremendous plays, showed a lot of toughness, a lot of grit. Um, you know, his stats, again, nothing to, to write home about, two catches, 22 yards. But those were those were big plays. They were back to back, and then they didn't go back to him. Uh, I'm curious, you know. Again, I thought that was a, a small positive sign from Tony, but then the usage still isn't there. The uh, he's getting snaps. He's just not getting a lot. Of, not getting the ball. Yeah, no, it is it is odd. You know, he only had 17 snaps all game. Uh, you know, Blake Bell had 16 snaps. So you're talking about, you know, Blake Bell and Kadarius Tony being on offense the same amount. You know, that's not that's not how it should be, in my opinion. Um, and, and and that might change if, if again, a guy like Sky, who is getting these jet sweeps, he did get 19 yards, right, Stags? That's that's great. But we in my opinion, you know, Tony and and people and, and Hardman and, and other people like would would have maybe made more out of those plays because they have maybe better open field ability, you know, better explosion, you know, Kadarius Tony can make people, you know, we saw it against Jacksonville, you know, three straight plays. He gained like 40 yards because he just kept making people miss in the open field. You know, that's, that's where, yeah, I, I am surprised, you know, Tony isn't being used more in those roles rather than sky because of that. But I think it tells you that they want to, they want the sky to be on the field. They want to give him a chance to, to prove himself, but I, it's just through four games. He hasn't really given them much of a, you know, he had the, he had the broken play against Jacksonville, you know, that that gave him a lot of yards, you know, that ballooned his stats a little bit. Um, and then he had the touchdown. That was that was a great play. But that was that's the only play we've seen Sky make this year. Yeah. And so Tony, it's like Tony's made plays. He's had the drops in week one, but he's made plenty of plays. So, you know, I I, I think you're just going to if Tony can stay healthy, prove he can stay healthy, which he there's I mean, you know, he had the toe injury, I guess, you know, recently. Right. That he was limited in practice at one point. You know, maybe that's one of the reasons here. They're just kind of preserving him, right, for the the rest the end of the season. Because I, you know, it's not a bad bad idea, but it's trending. Yeah, you know, it's trending that he's going to play more. I would imagine. Well, it's it's what we've seen all season. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had thirty attempts, and nine of those went to Travis Kelsey, but he still targeted ten different players. 
So you've got 21 attempts to divide amongst the other nine receivers uh, that were targeted. So there's there's really no volume to, to go anywhere. I mean, Rasheed Rice had five uh, five targets himself. So there's really, you know, um, again, you talk about volume with the running backs. These wide receivers are getting spread super thin. And I, I don't know if they're just waiting for somebody to, to really force their hand. Um, I know part of their offensive philosophy is to spread the ball around, but maybe it's spread too thin at this point. Yeah, no, I, that's a good, really good point. It's actually a point uh, I don't want to steal Nate's thunder, but Nate Christensen's going to write about for the site for us is, is if the distrib- that distribution, is it getting too thin and they need to kind of start cutting people out a little bit to, to make it more efficient. So I'll let him do that on the site, and we'll talk about the defense stags in terms of a defensive player of the game from my Insta breakdown. And you had him in your winner's, call, uh, in your winners uh, section as well, Mike Edwards, the safety, the veteran safety, coming up making a bunch of plays. He had a tackle for loss. He had a sack. He had a pass deflection that ended up – that was almost a pick that, that, that mm-hmm. ended a drive. Um, I made this note, you know, in my postgame thoughts that, you know, he's making more plays than Brian Cook. And actually, Stags, I was looking – uh, you know, at the film this morning and on one particular stretch of the of the game in the nickel packages, he was playing over Brian Cook. They were they had him in rather than Cook, which they've had Cook in all year as a safety. You know, there was no injury reported. You know, the Chiefs are pretty good about letting you know if there was a little bang up or something. And that's why Cook was out. Maybe there was something that they just didn't report. That could always be the case. But, you know, it, it's not a coincidence that Edwards was making more plays, too. And, you know, you know, Justin Reed is, has been very solid this year. He's doing, he's playing his role very well as that strong safety, you know, Brian cook as a free safety, you don't, you don't get as many plays to be made. He made a great play on that solo tackle down the field, right? Later in the game on Brees Hall on a, on this 45 yard run, it could have been a touchdown that he saved. That's a great play, but you know, making tackles 45 yards down the field, isn't, you know, necessarily why you, what you, you know, what you want your safeties to be doing or why, you know, you want to be pointing to them. Okay. He should be playing because of this. I think Edwards is making more plays right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if he starts playing over cooks and, and this game was a good example. What do you think about that stacks? Yeah. I mean, why did you bring it? Why do you bring in Mike Edwards? What, what was the point of signing him? He was a guy known to be a ball hawk. He was somebody that you bring in to force turnovers. And, and so far this season, I think he's been, He's been doing a good job of that, uh, as good as anybody in the chief secondary. And so, yeah, I mean, there's you want somebody who's a, a creator back there. Obviously, there's there's a role for a safety who's just a preventer, which is maybe what Justin Reed's been. Um, but you also like to see that creator uh, from the from the safety position making plays. And and yeah, maybe you go with the hot hand a little bit more. I don't think it's an indictment on Brian Cook's career. I just think you know there there's going right. to be maybe a little bit of a a shift towards. Edwards, they need somebody who's going to who's going to cause turnovers, and this defense has been very solid. But uh, you know, you need that you, to get to that next level. I think they need more turnovers, more big plays out of the defense, positive plays out of the defense, um, and and maybe Edwards gives them that best chance to do that right now. No, it's a really good point with the turnovers because if you think about all their turnovers this year, like they've run into a few of them. Um, you know, uh, Wilson fumbling the snap is not a caused turnover or forced turnover. Um, you think about yeah. week. You know, you think about uh, week two, the lateral pass, uh, you know, uh, Lawrence, that's a fumble. That's not a forced turnover. Um, McDuffie has had these two forced fumbles, but you're right. This team isn't creating turnovers right now. And Edwards is one of these guys that almost did this week. He had the he was the one who almost jumped that route and got the pick. And again, like you said, he's known for being a ball hawk. 
And yeah, I just, I'm someone who is super high on Brian Cook, but this team uses three safeties and I think he can still have a role as that third safety, but it just seems to me, uh, I, I want Edwards to be playing more right now uh, to my eye. And maybe it's because we haven't been playing, you know, maybe against a better quarterback, we'll, we'll change our opinion because, you know, they have been playing Zach Wilson and Justin Fields these last two weeks, but, um, and we're going to get it this week. Minnesota is a good test for this, the secondary right now. They, they throw a lot and Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison is a nice little receiver duo. So, all right, Stags. I think it's a, I think it's a good time to talk about some some quarter season. You know, you always talk about the how the, the NFL season in quarters, right? What what does Todd Haley say? I don't know what does Todd say. What does Todd Haley say? I don't remember a lot of what he said. Most of it you can't repeat on the air anyway. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. the NFL season's played in quarters, right? I mean, yeah, the, the although not anymore, not anymore. Yeah, quarter ish. Technically, the quarter of the season will be over after the first quarter of the uh, of the Vikings game, right? So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's, you know, we'll check in then we'll check in then. No, Todd Haley did like to look at the season and quarters and say the goal is to win three out of four in each quarter. <clears throat> Chiefs did exactly that this quarter. They lost the first game, won the next three. So three and one in this quarter, you can check that box because, you know, if you do that four times, you end up at least with 12 wins, pretty likely to win your division and be in the playoffs and have a shot uh, at everything that you've worked for that season. So I think it's a pretty good way of looking at it. It helps you if you take a loss. It helps you sort of contextualize that and say, you know, we can move past that as long as we get back on the horse for the rest of that quarter. Uh, but yeah, Ryan, you did some research here, and I'd love to hear some of the stats you came up with. Uh, where did the Chiefs stand statistically in this quarter of the season, or or this uh, uh, what would be like twenty two percent of the season? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 you're right. Three out of four. That's all that matters. We're moving on to the second quarter. Spags always talks about, you know, this is something that Steve Spagnuolo does say that he, you know, after that first quarter of the season is when he really feels like he can start, you know, doing what he wants to do with the defense. He's kind of learning that first quarter. And we've seen that with Spags defense over and over. What's really interesting is Spags defense is already doing a lot of creative stuff through a first quarter. So look out, apparently. But no, let's start on the offensive side of the ball, Stags. I have, you know, a negative one about Patrick Mahomes, but it is just, you know, noteworthy about how, you know, how ineffective this pass offense has been so far. You know, if the season ended today, Patrick Mahomes' 2023 season would feature career lows in completion percentage, yards per attempt, passer rating, and his interception rate would be his uh, career high. So he's basically having, efficiency-wise, his worst his worst year through four games. Um, and that's just, you know, a, a, a symbolism, a symbolism or a representation of how, you know, ugly clunky this pass offense has been. And it's, it's the receivers. It's, it's, you know, Mahomes' confidence in them. It's his trust in maybe, you know, the pocket at times, you know, it's, you know, and not Kelsey kind of, you know, maybe having a slow start to, start to the season, but it's just a way to contextualize that, you know, we're, we are seeing, you know, one of the ugliest stretches in Mahomes' career right now. It's only <laughs> going to get better. Um, you know, this truly is one of the, one of the worst. That's funny. It's funny to hear you say that out loud because Mahomes so far has a thousand and six passing yards. So he's on pace for over 4,000 yards this year. Uh, certainly not 5,000 like we're used to, but uh, he's got eight touchdowns to four interceptions. So that interception ratio being the highest of his career is still two to one touchdowns to interceptions, which is, kind of been the benchmark for quarterbacks for a long time. And he's fourth in the league in QBR. Uh, so, you know, he's not blowing the league out of the water by any means, but you've had two of the three games where he's been unimpressive. 
uh, the Bears game uh, being the exception there. Uh, and so it is it is interesting. Uh, so I guess you could say three of the four games. But it's interesting that even Mahomes' worst is, is still top four in the league <laughs> when it comes to quarterback. That's just how good he has been over his career. Yeah, I know. And and he is still up there in yards, but like completion percentage, and this is a testament to his receivers. He's 21st in the NFL in completion percentage right now. That's 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 low. Um, but again, that's that's not a quarterback stat a lot of the time, right? And and maybe we can check, you know, uh drop rate. He has, you know, he's up there in it. But I have an interesting one for you here. According to PFF, Rasheed Rice has this is against zone coverage. Has 11 targets, 11 catches, 127 yards, and six first downs. That's against zone coverage. Right. That's why he's playing a lot, right? But against man coverage, he has five targets, zero catches, and they did give him a drop in one of those. So, and and to go with this, Travis Kelsey this year against man coverage is registering a zero passer rating when targeted. He's only caught one of the five passes thrown his way in those situations. And another of them was the interception he was thrown to on in week four. Um, so basically what I'm getting at is the Chiefs' best playmakers right now are still not beating man coverage. And that might be our biggest flaw right now is that we don't have someone necessarily beating man coverage. Yeah, that's, and, or, that's a coverage. It used to be the case that you could not man up against the Chiefs, right? They had too much speed. Right. Uh, they would just burn you deep. That just wasn't a thing that you – that's not a smart thing to do against Tyree Hill, obviously. Still isn't uh, in Miami. Uh, but now all of a sudden the Chiefs can beat zone only. That's, a, that's an interesting stat. And and not that surprising based on the way both of those guys uh, have played. Obviously they're, they're in very different points in their career, but they both have a little bit of that zone beater – um, you know, ability on tape. Uh, Kelsey, you hope that this isn't a sign that he's he's struggling more, uh, you know, is athletically late in his career. Uh, but you would like to see somebody step up to the plate there and, and be able to beat man. You know, Kadarius Tony should be able to. Sky Moore, as we talked about with his ability to, to run routes, should be able to beat man coverage. Uh, but it, so far it's not happening in, in near – near enough yeah no that's the thing they're the only two beating zone coverage right now because everyone else is struggling to in general and that's why the pass offense is looking so bad and then yeah, yeah but just in general they're not winning against man coverage and then here i have sky Moore when he is being targeted this year in general is registering a 71 passer rating right now last year i believe it was 73 so we're not seeing an improvement in that mm-hmm. area um in terms of Mahomes you know, having success uh, getting him the ball. Um, But let's look at defense because it's always good to kind of look at where, you know, the defense is stacking up right now. Um, I had a tweet last week about where Karloftis stacked up in the NFL. Well, here we go through four weeks. Stags, these are the only players with more quarterback pressures than George Karloftis in the NFL. Aiden Hutchinson, Micah Parsons, Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack. That's the list. The only That's, players with more pressure. I mean, I've been saying it all along. George Karloftis is an elite pass rusher in this league. I, I don't know. I don't know where you would ever get the impression that, <laughs> <laughs> that he wasn't right that high. No, he's he's Just been great. This year. <laughs> he's been great this year. He's he's really 
uh, feels like he's moving quicker. Uh, he's more decisive. He's got more uh, counters and, and moves than he's had in the past. And uh, yeah, he's definitely benefiting from Chris Jones being back. That was a big, that was a big deal for him, for Chris Jones to come back and draw some of that attention and chase some players into, into his arms and vice versa. I think the, those two work uh, seem to work pretty well together. So I'm happy to see Chris, Chris Jones and uh, George Carlos is putting up good results and then bodes well for the defense in the future. Well, yeah. And if you bring, if you bring in, uh, if you take out week one, when Chris Jones wasn't playing, which obviously changes up how everyone's going to succeed, right? Since week two, these are the only players with more pressures than George Karloftis, Micah Parsons, Max Crosby, and Aiden Hutchinson. And so George Karloftis, since Chris Jones has gotten in there and, and has really taken over, you know, and, and taken the, the attention of pass protections, he's just taken advantage. He really does, man. He is, he rarely gets locked up single, single blocked anymore. I mean, if he is single blocked, he gets around it within the three seconds. It's just a matter if the quarterback gets rid of the ball or if he's, you know, if, if he's holding on to it or not. So, um, it's, it's, it's great to see. Um, but you know, he's, st- he still does, you know, he's, he's not the most dynamic rusher. So he still has to win with that effort and that, that, you know, uh, consistency over and over. So that takes, you know, that takes, you know, it takes a toll on you doing it over and over throughout the entire season. So we'll see if he can keep that up. Um, but definitely shout out George Karloftis, but before, you know, before we move on, just, just some other general chief stats, you know, from the team, you know, how, how the kind of, it stacks up within the team. You know, PFF tracks defensive stops, which is like tackles that constitute a failure. So not just any tackle, but a tackle tackle that really does, you know, effectively stop the def- uh, the offense from doing something successful. Drew Tranquil has four more than anybody else on the team. And he has played a limited snap uh, count through the first two weeks and obviously has started these past two weeks with Nick Bolton out. But he is just all over the place. But it, it tied for second is Leo Chanel, <laughs> who is also on a limited snap count, not playing as much. And Trent McDuffie is actually tied with Leo Chanel, and so is Mike Dana. So you're talking about those four guys. Mm-hmm. We love touting these guys as guys that get around the ball. But man, I it, I love how the stats bear it out because a guy like Trent McDuffie, you know, someone that I maybe questioned if he could be a sneed kind of player in the slot. He's he's playing like he, he can he can you know uh, play against the run and and really fill. Absolutely. All, all of those guys have been so solid. Uh, tackling's been good out of each of them. You're right, Drew Tranquil, you can't miss him on the field. When he's starting or when he's out there, uh, you see 23 flying around. And it really does uh, it really does make a difference. It's, first of all, startling just to see that number on a linebacker. But but also, <laughs> the, yeah. he's, he's gotten in some really good work in the first couple of weeks. Known as strictly a pass coverage guy. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's obviously he had over 100 tackles last year. He's not just a coverage backer. He's really a pretty good all-around uh, linebacker at this point. He got beaten once in coverage this week, but it was on a uh, it was on a play where you can't really fault him too much. I don't think. Yeah, no, that yeah, it it, it was a tough play, um, but definitely a good play. Um, I want to shout out also Joshua Williams uh, because I know the 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 attention has been on Trent McDuffie, right? He's he's been PFS highest highest graded corner. People said that, or they showed mm-hmm. that, and. You know, I don't like just looking at PFS grades, so I don't really, you know, uh, care too much for that. But I do like their stats on catch percentage, passer rating against when targeted. Here's Joshua Williams stats this year. He has allowed three catches on eight targets, which is a 38 percent catch rate. And he's Mm -hmm. allowed a 48.4 passer rating when targeted this year in, in those eight targets. So if you if you give me a second and you talk about catch rates among starting cornerbacks starting cornerbacks in the NFL 38% is is quite the number 
Um, and so, you know, I'm going to filter out this right here real quick and give you guys a little bit of a, a reference point because, you know, you're talking about guys like Trayvon Diggs and Martin Emerson Jr. Uh, Akela Witherspoon is the only guys with a lower catch percentage this year among starting cornerbacks than Joshua Williams. And he's not a starter necessarily, um, but he is in the nickel package and he has enough snaps to qualify. So, yeah, I mean, he's having one of the best, you know, uh, catch rates in the entire NFL among corners right now. Yeah, and considering he's really been in a competition for that job his entire career and it's as of number three corner, seems like he's won that competition, at least for now. And we always thought he had a great upside with his physical ability, his length. And so, yeah, it's exciting to see him coming around. I mean, how good has uh, how good has Brett Veach and team been at, at identifying young corners that he doesn't have to pay a million dollar, you know, a, a large amount of money to uh, you can pay only a million dollars and get a guy like uh, Josh, Joshua Williams. And, and really, you know, along with Trent McDuffie, along with Legereus Sneed, that's a pretty good defensive back room. And, and they've, and they've got depth there. So uh, with Jalen Watson, really, you know, he was inactive this week, I know, but uh, with him, laying in, in the weight he whenever he gets on the field he seems to make plays as well yeah. so uh yeah re- really good to see williams taking that next step yeah well th- those are my quarter stats i just think the chief's defense i think in general you can just say the chief's defense you know we have we have a lot of guys making plays and that's that's kind of fun to see not just the top guys that's right and that's that's what's going to keep this this team sustainable and and to keep that dynasty talk alive is when you have a broad base of young players making plays and, and not just a, a concentrating on a few stars. Now, as we go to break, I want to concentrate on uh, Ron's question of the week. Uh, we're going to come up with a good, good title for this, but what player am I Ron? See if you can stump me for once. <laughs> All right. I'm stumping you here. No, we'll see. A player that played for both Chiefs and Vikings. I was drafted by the Chiefs in the mid-2000s, but I was drafted to play a different position than I was known for in my career. I was allowed to walk in free agency after the last year of my rookie deal to the chagrin of some, and I earned my first of four all uh, first-team All-Pro awards that, that last year with Kansas City. And let's just say I had a very nice number. That's all I'm going to tell you, Stags. I actually am a little perplexed on this one. I thought I thought I had it, uh, and, and one one detail of this is throwing me off. I'll give it some thought while we hear from our sponsors, and I'll we'll be right back with more out of structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year 
at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back on the Out of Structure Podcast. Thanks for sticking with us for the second half. We're about to get to your mailbag questions. But in the meantime, Ron's got me a little perplexed on his who am I NFL player question of the week. I thought after the first clue, which was drafted by the Chiefs in the mid-2000s to play a different position, I immediately said it's Jared Allen. That That's that's exactly where I went. But Jared Allen, was, wasn't he traded? And he No, you not- got it. <laughs> yeah no you got it he yeah he was not he no he was uh he was just signed by the vikings um i i looked it up i thought he was traded too but uh i wanted to make it i wanted to make sure so yeah I, i'm gonna call you out on that one a little bit it looks like in on his reference page it says he was just signed by the vikings but maybe i got yeah, that no, wrong that may have been his last contract he was traded for a pretty substantial uh package of, of draft picks uh the jared allen trade was pretty influential for the building of this team back in 2008 they got the the Chiefs got a first round pick two thirds and swapped a sixth round pick uh, in exchange for Jared Allen so well there you go that's why I was perplexed because I remember that trade being a big deal because isn't that partially what set up uh, that set up the draft that led to kind of the the rebuild the quick rebuild starting uh, after um yeah. yeah, well, pro football reference failed me. I definitely thought it was a trade, but I was like, <laughs> let me make sure. And then it just said he signed in that offseason. I was like, oh, okay, bet. But probably signed the contract after he was traded, which makes sense. That that 2009 draft class for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, I remember this draft class, uh, but do, do you remember who they took? Uh, talking about the 08 class probably with Brandon Albert, Brandon Flowers, Jamal Charles, uh talking about that class yeah yeah so yeah. they got they got a chunk of those draft picks from the from the jared allen trade and that's that's what allowed them to make that one of the better drafts of our uh, of our lifetime which hopefully they're uh trumping now in this last couple of a uh, uh, couple of years with with brett beach and company so uh jared allen i mean it sealed it when you said he had a nice number uh then i thought well then the, the trades throw me off all right um mailbag questions of the week our guy jake wilson at jake for now on twitter or X as it's known now. Veach is known for aggressive moves, but he's demonstrated some restraint. Um, how has, has his discipline shaped the Chiefs on-field product? I'm jumping ahead here. So what can they do or what can they not do based on the aggression uh, of Brett Veach? Well, I mean, I would tell you that, you know, having Patrick Mahomes, and we all know this, just allows you to kind of be, you know, more aggressive with, you know, the way you want to be a GM, whether that, you know, one way or the other, right? Like, if you want to be someone that signs a bunch of dudes, like, it's probably going to work out because you have Patrick Mahomes. But if you want to be a team that just go plays through the draft and, and gets a bunch of guys and builds through a, a young roster, it's probably going to work out because you have Patrick Mahomes. So, it's one of those things where like Veach knows knows that he's smart enough to understand that he he has the golden egg, the golden goose. I mean, and so he can kind of just play to the to what he wants to do. And he also knows he has Andy Reid that's going to make the best out of out of the talent that he has. So he knows that he can kind of buy into what he believes, what like Veach believes as a, as what he learned as a scout, right? At, you know, growing up in in a front office like he doesn't have to necessarily worry too much about, okay, like what is everyone else doing? Like what, how do I need to catch up? Like he can just kind of buy into his own process because you know, it's worked so far. 
And hey, even if it's like not the most efficient process, you know, if like a let's say like some, uh, you know, uh, impartial study, like studied every GM or whatever and like and like ranked them or, you know, and how they process or how they've drafted, how they've signed for like it doesn't matter. Because Patrick Mahomes gives him the confidence that like it's going to work out. Andy Reid gives him the confidence it's going to work out. So they can just have a confident front office that's doing things with a plan in mind. They're not just changing their plan every year because, oh, shoot, it didn't work this year. So we got to, you know, catch up with the league because we, you know, we we weren't doing it the way everyone else is doing it. And so, again, I guess all that to say is it, it just feels like it gives Veach the confidence to to you know be aggressive and not signing these guys to long free agent deals like Chris Jones, like Tyreek Hill, like Orlando Brown Jr. And you know, if if a guy wants to keep testing him, he'll just keep pushing it. But if a guy is gonna say, All right, I'll take the deal you initially gave me, none of these guys have. <laughs> none of these guys have taken that deal. Um, but they're willing to do that. So and that's the thing. It's just they're kind of they just kind of have a plan and they're sticking to it because they know, you know, nine times out of ten, it's probably gonna work out no matter what, no matter what the you know, results are in the, on the way there because Patrick Mahomes is, is the quarterback. Yeah. The question is mostly about the restraint that he's shown and how he's not given out those big contracts. When Brett Beach was first hired, the consensus or what we talked about was the fact that this was an Andy Reid hire, right? This is a, this is a guy who has a consistent approach that is, that is, uh, uh, you know, really symbiotic with, with Andy Reid. What did Andy Reid learn from his time at Philadelphia uh, when they assembled the dream team and they spent all this money in free agency? How did that work out for him? It was really the years where they drafted well and they ended up having a good defense um, that Andy Reid was most successful there, not the years where they they spent a bunch of money in free agency and tried to load up on big-name players. So Veach has, I think – uh, brought some of the some of that lesson learned, some of that restraint, and some of the discipline to say we've got to build this thing for the long term. We can't uh, get into a bunch of bad contracts and then really handcuff ourselves. You know, they they certainly you would think that that would lead to them being able to extend more of their own players, uh, but they they've been really reluctant to to do that. Even uh, it really shows up in the youth on this roster. Uh, the fact that they're they've got a really relatively inexpensive roster outside of uh, a couple of players, and and they're able to continually cycle guys through there. To me, it's a testament to their talent evaluation, to his discipline, and not going out and spending big money in free agency or on their own players. Uh, they, they've managed to put together a championship roster uh, around Patrick Mahomes. Yes, that's the the ace in the hole there for sure. But uh, I wonder if he has some some PTSD or some baggage there from from previous uh, Eagles iterations where they just have not found the success in free agency uh, th- that you would expect. Yeah, I, and I guess the thing is, I, I think a lot of being a GM is just like staying true to yourself, right? Or like staying true to what you believe and not coming off, you know, a, 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 or just kind of saying, oh, shoot, you know, it didn't work this year, so we need to switch it up. It's just easier to, to stay to your path when you have Mahomes, you know, when you don't have Mahomes and you're in quarterback purgatory, you know, it's easier to convince yourself, look, we got to do it another way. We got to, you know, kind of, you know, change, change directions, change, you know, change ships, uh, you know, in the middle of, of kind of a process that we thought was, thought was going to take two to three years, but we're panicking because it doesn't look good on the field. So, 
Because, I mean, there have been times where we've where Veach hasn't looked good for what he's done, you know, on the field. It hasn't looked good. And 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 uh, but, yeah, I, I agree. I think his draft, the the draft and the just the team building, it's just been it has been really good around Mahomes these last couple of years specifically. Next question from Thomas Ramirez and from Brian Thomas are both uh, talking about how the wide receivers have not gotten things going yet. Um, Brian's asking, why is that happening? Is it play calling? Is it Mahomes? not trusting them and they're not getting open. Uh, Thomas suggests uh, it doesn't make sense to use the run game more until the wide receivers get going. I'm going to answer Thomas's part. I I think we're unanimous here in saying absolutely they should be using the run game, uh, especially when they they can get it going like they did this week. And that Jets front is no joke. It's not like they were running against a bunch of uh, of nobodies. Uh, This is an offense that should be able to run the ball with the offensive line they've built with the the bevy of running backs that they have available to them. Um, they look the best when they're balanced and, and it worked really well against the bears and it worked against the the jets as well, even when nothing else was working. So hundred percent, they should be using the run game uh, a little bit more, but what's going on with the wide receivers you think, right? I know we've got some articles coming about that as you mentioned. Yeah. And we kind of mentioned it earlier, but a lot of it is the fact that, First of all, they don't have a, a true man beater right now. Someone that if, if, if it's a third and five, a third and six, and they're going to and the, the other defense is going to line up with man coverage, you know, press man who is going to get separation and, and win on the route. Kadarius Tony is a candidate, but he is, you know, playing limited snaps right now. We talked about that. You know, Sky Moore should be somebody that can do that. He his one of his best traits is should be, you know, releasing off the line of scrimmage and, and creating separation in that way. We haven't necessarily seen that as much, although the Jacksonville touchdown was an example of, of that uh, man to man. You know, he creates separation and gets the back shoulder touchdown. You know, MVS isn't going to do that. Justin Watson's not going to do that. They are deep threats, vertical threats that are going to win, uh, you know, as kind of in, in deeper routes, downfield routes against zone coverage more often. And so first, that that's the number one thing is they don't really have a man beater. Travis Kelsey obviously is is someone that that can, depending on the matchup. But he, he also, you know, struggles at times to great separation against, you know, certain man coverage defenders but hey against zone they should always you know be able to play well well that's the problem is is these young receivers it's easy it's harder than you think i guess is the way to put it to succeed against zone coverage when you're not when or it's harder to be disciplined i guess than you think you know you think it's okay you just find a window between two zone defenders and sit down well there's a lot of little details uh, to kind of where to sit down and how often you know or how much you should move and i do think you're seeing some of that with mahomes where and I've, I've even been guilty of maybe, you know, pointing to plays on film and saying, look, Mahomes is not hitting these windows when they're open. But it could just be that these receivers are not hitting their landmarks as cleanly as they need to. They're not kind of settling as early as they need to. They're maybe coming too close to the inside, you know, to the defender to their inside. And that's if he leads too much that way and the throw naturally leads that way, it's going to be a pick. And Mahomes kind of maybe feels that even if it looks like it's, it's an open window. Um, because he can feel these receivers not settling enough, and I think that's the underrated part. Juju, uh, underrated part of Juju Smith-Schuster, he was very good at the zone, uh, you know, settling into zones and, and finding the zones and over the middle and 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 being a trusted target to catch between tight zone defenders. I think that's another thing. You know, Travis Kelsey should be very good at that, right? And he and he has been this year, and that's where the pass offense has only succeeded is him against zone defense. Rashi Rice all of a sudden has been succeeding because they're getting him. You know, to to he's and he's actually doing a pretty good job of finding space and tight and small windows and then getting up field quickly. That's the other part of this. 
these 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 Sky Moore Sky Moore isn't getting upfield when he gets the ball as, as quickly and explosively as you'd like to see it. Rasheed Rice, when you see him get the ball, he is lightning quick upfield, and that's and he's getting the most out of those plays. So that's why they're working him in more. But he they're the only two Rice and Kelsey are the only two guys really you know working those zones well at the moment. Even MBS I would say is not doing it as well as as he should be. And so all that to say, you know, it, it's really these receivers just it seems like they're not the younger receivers are not finding their way against zone as, as easy as they should. They're missing Juju in that way, but then they just don't have a man beater. And I think they projected to have one in sky and Tony, but Tony could still get it going. Sky needs to show some improvement. No, it's a, it's a good point. Um, and, and I think at some point teams are just going to, you know, start running a lot of man. Right. I mean, and, and force yeah. the teams to try to beat it. So <clears throat> they got to be aware of that and, and finding some solutions to that, finding some, some scheming, uh, you know, to scheme it up, find some man beaters, find some some things that they can do. I feel like our point earlier is pretty valid. They haven't really found the right mix at wide receiver yet. They're letting everybody have, you know, yeah. a, a target or two a game. Uh, I'm not sure that that is going to ever build enough chemistry or enough consistency um, for them to really look like a, a good solid unit. And the other thing is, I was thinking as you were talking, is that there's so much we don't know about what goes on in that room and what goes on on that field. Uh, you know, there it takes the quarterback and the receiver both to be 100% on the same page to make a play like that work. Um, you don't know if it was a if it was a bad pass or a, right. a bad route or, or you but you do see I think you can see on tape that Mahomes is thrown to a spot that he expects somebody to be there. Um, and and it's not always the case uh, that, that somebody's been there. So so you it would tend to to lead you to believe that there's some some stuff going on with the wide receivers and their precision there, um, but uh, it, it's really hard to tell uh, with any kind of level of certainty. Well, and I would say too, we always it's always a thing about how Andy Reid's offense is hard for receivers to learn and stuff. Well, it's not just this made up theme, you know, right? It's it's because he makes them learn all these different positions: the Y, the Z, the X, and you know that could be information overload for the wrong you know, for the wrong person. Right. And if they have a bunch of guys that maybe aren't, you know, just feeling comfortable in those roles, it's just going to make it harder for them to, to run the offense the way they want to. All right. Well, last two questions here from Dean and just, and Justin Olson. In fact, I think we had some late additions, so these may not be the last two, but Dean uh, at captain pylon says Chicago aside, why does it seem like the offense can't perform unless the game is close? Uh, Justin points out that the chiefs seem to look good against uh, good teams and bad against bad teams. Uh, wondering why that might be the case. Uh, so, you know, do you think there's some element of that that Chiefs that that play to their opponent or play better in close games uh, and are not comfortable blowing teams out? Yeah, it, Justin just made me laugh because he ends it with, "Now this year, it's not good against any teams." And uh, <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. We, you know, we looked good last week. You don't don't forget about Chicago already. That's right. Um, Dean didn't forget about Chicago. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it's always been like that with Andy Reid. You know, it, it drove us really crazy with Alex Smith because, hey, you have Alex Smith. You can't be letting off the gas pedal ever. Like, you know, I mean, you you got to like he's not that's not the type of court like with Mahomes. It's a little different because you you feel like, you know, and, and it's probably not it's not good to feel this way. But you feel like Mahomes can always turn it on if he needs to. If a game gets close like this one on Sunday night. Cause they did go up 17, nothing. It did feel like Mahomes was kind of playing carelessly after that. Um, and those were the two interceptions. They both happened after 17, nothing. 
And so, yeah, I, I think there is something to when the competitive juices aren't firing as much for, for the coaches, you know, Andy Reid's this is 20, whatever the year doing it, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's seen so many big games when, when those competitive juices aren't firing, they get a little lackadaisical and they do, you know, I, it, I always remember the Rams game last year, so very random game at Arrowhead though. And he threw the pick in the end zone where he just threw it right to the defender. Like literally just like he was trying to dirt it, but he just threw it right to it. Like, and they were up 26, 10 or whatever. It's just, they have these games and they just, when the game is at in hand, a lot of times or they feel like it's in hand, they, or they feel comfortable and like, all right, we got these guys. Yeah. I, I do think Mahomes isn't as, uh, as on point as he needs to be. So it's it, it, the funny thing though, is New York's a really good defense. So he shouldn't have been feeling that way. Um, but it's just that 17, nothing start might've helped. Any other questions out there? I thought there was a couple uh, that came in late. Well, Thomas Ramirez asked us about the run game. Um, that was that was a little later, but he also asked us about you know if there's any receivers we would be looking to trade uh, out or trade to uh, for out there. And you know, I mean, to me, that could be the solution. Stags, I don't know how your thoughts on it, um, but you know, I'm 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 good. I want to see them kind of you know trial by trial by fire, right? Trial by error. Uh, you know, use this year to see you know, who's going to emerge because next year it's not like they just magically have, you know, in the off season, we'll talk about trades for sure. But for right now, I'm, I'm, I'm good. What do you think? Yeah. I'd be really surprised if they make a move. It's not that I wouldn't want them to, but I'd be pretty surprised if they do. Obviously Veach has shown some aggression. He's out there, you know, keeping his eyes open for, for who's available. But the only name I I've heard come up a lot is Mike Evans, who, you know, would be a lot of fun, but, uh, not in the the right phase of his career for this team, uh, and and maybe not the right style of player either. Well, yeah, now they're winning too. Bucks are three and one, top of that division, so uh, they're, they're probably going to ride with that. No, I'm trying to think. Yeah, at the at the bottom of kind of the standings here, that's where you kind of have to look, right? I saw um, some some debate about Chase Claypool out there. I thought that, that's no. a uh, <laughs> that's Stay a away. You know, a lot of times you look at these the guys that are available and there's these big lumbering you know wide receiver types that that fans always fall in love with and then for some reason a lot of them don't just don't pan out uh, in the league. Uh, I mean I don't know if the there's probably not a lot of AFC teams that are going to be excited about trading to the Chiefs either. So uh, yeah. from the NFC is going to be actually available. Yeah, you know Panthers are zero and four. I don't know who you who you get out of that, but yeah, I mean you could go to the Bears and say, hey, look, Darnell Mooney. I don't know his contract, but he's a nice receiver for them. I don't know if he's any better than what the Chiefs have necessarily, um, but you know, I don't know. I, I I really don't think there's there's anything out there worth it. Like you said, yeah, Mike I mean, Evans made sense at first, but now they're winning. I doubt he's going anywhere. You know, the the Panthers have a a, a few guys that I would be interested in. Uh, LaVisca Chanel is, is a player I've always enjoyed watching, uh, and he never has been really used the way that I think Andy Reid could use him. Uh, he's very yeah. much probably a, a McCall, Hard McCall Hardman type player, um, you know, and, and maybe they're missing that, especially with Kadarius Tony being banged up. Uh, DJ Shark, obviously he's been hurt a lot, but uh, a player that should have been on our radar in the offseason. Um, so from a wide receiver standpoint, Hey, Amir Smith-Marset, maybe they, he's available <laughs> at this point. <laughs> hey, man, we'll end it with that. Like, should should they have kept him over like a Richie James? Like, Richie James is hurt right now. Should they have just you – know, I mean, I don't know if he's done much for the Panthers. They're 0-4. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if he's done, you know, much enough. I, but, uh, I believe he's their returner, um, and, but not – he hasn't caught a pass yet. Um, yeah, so, you're right. 
And, and I think that's the way it, it probably would have gone here, frankly. I, I don't yeah. know would be the answer on offense either. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think yeah. – Veach will probably look around the league and see if there's anybody in the in the bargain bin that might be of, of use. But I, I'm again, I'm like you. I'm not sure that I would do anything at this point. I think you got to got to cull down the the roster of receivers and find your find your right three and and really start to to focus in on getting them some targets. Yeah, my thing is they have all year. We know this team's going to be in the playoffs. They're going to use this team knows what to do. This team's going to use the season to to find what's rest for the postseason. And I'm sure by the time we get there, it, it probably it may be a problem, but they'll have their best group possible, I would imagine, by the time they get there. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make this a, a, a tradition here. Uh, I'm going to hand it back to Ron for his preview of the upcoming game uh, while I step away. I really appreciate everybody listening and being here with us on the Out of Structure podcast. Uh, there's a lot uh, to come, so uh, stay with us every week, uh, every Tuesday. Make sure you follow like, rate, review, and all of that. Um, but, Ron, what are you seeing from the Vikings? How do you think the Chiefs match up here? And uh, you think that's uh, pretty likely this team can get to 4-1 and one and, and stay on track? Man, I'm excited for this game. Um, it's going to be a fun game, first of all. Uh, it absolutely is because the Chiefs and the Vikings are both teams that like to throw the ball around, even if the Chiefs haven't looked as great at it this year. Um, the Chiefs are going to get their chance to do so. The Vikings blitz uh, before last week. I saw it was one of the highest rates in the entire NFL. Brian Flores, that that former uh, Patriots disciple, he was in Miami. Uh, he was a head coach there. Um, he loves to blitz. Uh, it was about 60% of his snaps were blitzes that I saw. And so um, that's going to be Patrick Mahomes' bread and butter, right? He's going to be able to beat that if they choose to continue to do so, which I imagine they will. He's kind of that kind of guy. You know, I'm going to do my thing, make it work because their personnel is pretty suspect in terms of who they have kind of making plays for them in the secondary and on defense, just in general. Um, you know, you, you have Harrison Smith, you know, who's, who's way past his prime at this point, kind of still making plays for them as kind of their main guy in the back end. Um, they have Byron Murphy as well in the slot making plays as well. Uh, but I think this, this, this pass defense will be exploitable. It'll be a good test for the chiefs pass offense, but they will have to do so and have to have a good game in my opinion, because, you know, the Vikings offense could absolutely push this Chiefs defense. You know, Kirk Cousins is one of the league leaders in passing yards uh, this year, uh, mainly because, you know, they've been in a lot of competitive games. But, you know, right now he is third in the league in passing yards, has the most passing touchdowns in the NFL with 11. Um, and they throw the ball a lot. Um, he has the second most pass attempts in the NFL, um, the most completions. And obviously they have wide receiver Justin Jefferson, the elite wide receiver who has established himself. It'll be interesting to see if the Chiefs, and they will probably because of Justin Jefferson's kind of ability of size or combination of size and athleticism, right? They're going to put Legereus Sneed, just like they have been, on him uh, as the number one wideout. And then they're going to have Trent McDuffie and Jordan Addison, the rookie wide receiver out of USC, who maybe some Chiefs fans wanted in the draft. I was not a big Jordan Addison fan, but he's been having a huge year so far as a rookie, as their second wide receiver. And then they have TJ Hawkinson. That's going to be a good matchup for Justin Reed, kind of coming down, playing him man-to-man. A lot of times in third downs, Kirk Cousins loves going to him, especially when the Chiefs are going to heat him up with blitzes. He's going to want to check down to Hawkinson. It's going to be a big game for Justin Reed to to make sure tackles, which he has been this year, and just to you know make sure he finishes uh, finishes those plays. But but yeah, it's going to be a fun matchup. I, I expect points. I would take the over. Uh, I, I haven't looked at it yet, but I imagine the over is going to hit in this game no matter what the number is. It's in Minnesota, that dome. 
Minnesota's one and three. They they're desperate for a win. They know their offense is what's going to win them the game. Chiefs defense looks susceptible against New York last week. Uh, they're going to maybe try to 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 make some of those those same kind of moves. Maybe you know those play action heavy protection. Get Justin Jefferson one on one. Chiefs got got to have a good plan for him. Whether it's bracketing him in the red zone, which they've been doing all year um, with a safety, or just you know mugging him up with Snead and having that safety kind of play over the top in in the middle of the field. But all that to say going to be a fun game guys make sure you uh like listen to the podcast network this week as we lead up make sure you follow the site i'm going to have film reviews from the jets game but also previews for this vikings game and we'll be back with you next week to talk about it stags will be back with us out of structure podcast appreciate you listening make sure you uh, give a five-star review and we'll catch you next time appreciate you listening